Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. How many of you ever have had a plan and then God redirects it? Um, I've always committed as, as the pastor of this church to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and hold loosely everything I have to never be about me or about my agenda or my plans. Well, this week was one of those weeks where I was, I was making my plans. Uh, I feel like the Lord, not completely, is shifting the direction we're going, but he is fine-tuning the direction we're going as a church. And as we make our plans, he guides and directs our steps. And... Um, and I just pray this morning that God would direct my heart, my, my words, my, my, my attention, that we would really tap into what he wants to say this morning. Lord, I thank you for your goodness in this place. Father, I thank you, God, that your spirit within us is more than able to do exceedingly more than we could hope or ask or imagine. And Father, Lord, this morning, I pray that I would just be the conduit that you want to use uh, to speak the word to your people in a way that is received, that is heard. And Father, I pray that it would be spoken in love. Uh, and Father, I pray that not a word spoken would be robbed from the enemy this morning. But Father, I pray that your word would change us, it would challenge us, and it would call us to be all that we've been called to be as sons and daughters of the King. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, I just uh, set my agenda aside, Lord, and I say, have control of this whole morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so we have just come out of a spiritual warfare series if you guys were here with us right out of the gate uh we went into spiritual warfare and uh talking about three concepts of spiritual warfare then we went into a fasting week and then we had a night of worship that was super powerful and i have just seen god begin to establish and to kind of set forth the plan for the year and um I believe that if God is continually allowed access to our hearts and to our church, that we will continually be successful in all of the things that God calls us to do. Um, all I care about is the next step. I don't necessarily need to be convinced that I see the whole picture, even though I hope God shows me a little bit more than he shows you, uh, because as, as we navigate the church and we find the direction we're going, we need to see where God is leading us. And, uh, but even when we can't see as far as we would like to see, God still calls us to be bold and courageous and trust in his faithfulness, right? So I just want to, what I'm going to do this morning, there is, I have a ton of scriptures. We'll see where God takes it, which ones I will share, which ones I won't share. But as I was thinking about this concept, because today we were, we were launching, we are launching, we might be launching. We're going to see what that looks like, but we are launching our family series. And God showed me that through spiritual war, warfare balanced with godly families, there is a blessing and protection on our lives. We have to realize that both are important. We can't just know about spiritual war warfare and do nothing about it and say, well, I don't want to be in this war. As sons and daughters of the king, we are, we are enlisted into this war uh, if we realize it or not. Secondly, not that God is just attacking the church, but do you know what the church is full of? Families. So we know that if we have healthy, godly families, guess what? We will have healthy, godly churches. How many of you know our families sometimes need a whole lot of help, right? If we were honest with ourselves, if we would look at the family dynamic, if we would look sometimes what happens behind closed doors and you are honest with yourself and honest before God, we need his grace and his strength and we need his power in our homes. 
And, and that's the reality of it. And um, this morning, I want to jump in and look at, look at some passages. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Verse 17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that appears, uh, that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. You're like, man, that's a great way to start a message. This is going to be a hard message, but this is going to be a challenging message because I believe that the word that God has spoken to us as a church this, this last week is important. I need you to get it. I need you to pay attention. You might be a little bit comfortable. You might be challenged to, to serve God in a capacity that you never have. But it's, going to, there's, there, it's coming a time, I believe, where we cannot ride the fence of culture in Christianity. Statistically, the, wor- the, the church looks just as bad as the world. Amen. I said, God, how in the world does that even make sense? Perhaps it's because we're not being transparent with ourselves. We are not being transparent before God. Or perhaps we have loved the world too much and we've compromised what God has called us to be because we want to have both. But the only way that that begins to change is God begins to change our heart. Where he gives us the appetite for the things of God, not the things of this world. Because there are some things in the world that, if we're honest, we love. Right? So those things have to change. We have to realize what God is doing. But the only way to secure the path before us is by attaining godly wisdom, and that is found through the knowledge of His Word. Popular opinion is not going to help you in a moment of crisis. Right? The Word of God is what's going to sustain the test of time. It's what's going to help us navigate. It's what's going to help us continually, successfully be the people of God that He's called us to be. So it's really important to know what the word of God says. Proverbs 6, 20 through 23, it says, My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart, fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you are awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp and this teaching is a light. And correction and instruction are the way to life. I know when we get older and we feel like we are grown, sometimes we forsake the continual instruction. Now, I know we don't like to admit it. When we are young, we need lots of instruction, right? But the natural progression of life is what? The more and more, the older I get, the less dependent I become on my, on my physical parents, right? And that's a good thing, right? We shouldn't be infants. We shouldn't stay babies. You should start being responsible. You should start um, venturing out on your own to, for your own stability. But let me, that is not so with, the, with the, the path that God has established for his people. The more we mature and the older we get, we should not become less dependent on God, but we should become more independent on God. Wisdom comes with an understanding of, of trusting, not in my own understanding, not in what I think is right, not even in how I've navigated maybe successfully in the past, but my eyes have to be fixed on God who is going to guide me and lead me. Remember those things that your parents have told you that have they entrusted to you and they will guide you, they will watch over you and they will speak to you. Notice this is scriptures. 
These are concepts from God's words that are going to keep us safe, that are going to secure us, that are going to navigate the course before us. It says this command is a lamp and this teaching is a light. So this command is gained by understanding what you've been told. How many of you as parents have had to tell your kids, do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? How many times do I have to tell you over and over again? You know, and as a father, I get frustrated. I'm like, you know what the expectation is, son and daughter, right? And my kids are like shaking their head because they know they're in a bind right now. But how many in the spiritual realm, we're doing the same thing with Father God. Father God has instructed us and he has guided us to follow those commands. And we're standing there like this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how many of you, nodding your head is not action, but doing what he has told you to do is what gets the results that he wants you to get. Now, I'm convinced, if you have been here long enough, you have heard me preach the word of God. Uncompromisedly, right? And with what you do with that word, it's up to you. That is one of the things that we're going to talk about in just a moment. So, that command is what we're being told. The lamp illuminates the path before us also, right? It says it is a lamp and a light. A lamp is close proximity. I can see the next step. I can see where it's right before me. But it's just like when we turn the lights in this room... I can see the back door. I can see faces. I can see expressions. When we dim them down, we can't see that, right? We can see close proximity. So both are important. Psalms 119.105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light on my path. What did they say? It is a light and a lamp? The word. Okay. So this week I was given... a a word for Harvest Time Church and I believe we must give attention to it. So this word came as a warning. And uh, I'm not fearful, I'm not concerned, but I tell you what, I am treading lightly and I'm saying, Lord, I do not want to miss anything that you're showing us. But it came as a warning. It says, get ready because of an impending storm that is coming to Harvest Time Church. If we're not ready, being full of the word and understanding, we will not be able to move forward and we will not be able to move back was the word that was given. So when the storm comes, it will take much strength to pray and it will be difficult to seek the the word of the Lord at that time. Do you realize during the storm is not the time to prepare for the storm? So I'm warning you today. Do I know exactly what in the world? I asked all kinds of people, what kind of storm? Is it this kind of storm? Is it that kind of storm? Because I want to know, Lord, what kind of storm are we preparing for? And the Lord has led me to this place. If we hide the word of God in our heart and we become doers of the word, if we turn from our unrighteousness and we seek his face, his word will illuminate our path. We will know what to do and we won't have to say, oh no, what do I do? But there's a preparation right now that has to happen. I know we make New Year's resolutions every single year. Some of them you probably already quit doing. Statistically, that's the facts, right? How about this year you start doing what the Lord God commands in scriptures? Right? What if we just started being obedient to what he told us and what he has continually told us? We also, in this word given, we're given somewhat specific guidance as far as some of the content in Scripture. Uh, tonight, the elders of the church are going to get together. We've been praying over this. They have all heard the word. We're praying over the word. But we're going we're gonna to get a plan and say, what do our people need to know? How do we need to prepare? And then we're going to lead you in that boldly and courageously. 
Okay, so it, I'm not fearful. I'm not concerned. I just want to make sure everybody's ready. I want to make sure every family is okay. Because I said, Lord, my family will stand on the word of God. We will believe what you say, and we will make sure that whatever storm comes, we will not falter and folly, but we will stand firm. But then God said, it's bigger than just you because I've asked you to lead a church. I've asked you to lead a people. Now, I don't know if you understand that God speaks through pastors and preachers and teachers, but he does that. And he is warning each family unit in this room this morning to prepare, get ready, live like the Christian you proclaim to be. That's all I ask. Be people of the word. Now, I don't want you to answer this question, but how many of you this last week, you, didn't even, you don't even know where your Bible is or you didn't look at any scripture? And if I asked you to raise your hand, you would be guilty today. That is scary for the people of God to never crack open the word and read and do what it says. Now, I don't want to humiliate you, but first I want to humble you and I want to challenge you forward that that cannot be any longer. You have to be a student of the word. You have to prepare. You have to get ready. You have to hide that word of God in your heart so that when the storm comes, we can stand up on it. Second Timothy four, three through four, it says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. We have to realize culture, it's probably going that way already, right? You know, you can like who you like, you can follow who you want to follow, or you can not follow who you don't want to follow. You know, so I think, you know, because we can control that, we can control what we hear. Instagram, I can follow all the people that are telling me the things that I want to hear, but am I following those people that, that, that are not the popular ones but are preaching the gospel and the truth of God's word? I'm saying, oh, I like what they think. This comfort gospel or this, this gospel communicated in a way that makes me feel okay with my sin. Come on. We have to get serious. God said, I'm going to return for a spotless, powerful church, not a sin-infected church. He wants to pour out his presence and his power. And he wants uh, the church to be his victorious people. The closer we get to the end, I believe that there's going to be more of a separating where we will see the people who are really Christians and the ones who were accommodating and are doing the things of the world. I think we will see that the more and more we get closer to the end. But what do we do? This is not a time to shrink back, but this is a time to press into the word of God. Not only to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, how many of you proclaim to love God? I think on the good days, I mean, be honest with yourself, but those who proclaim to be lovers of God, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. Not reading them and discarding them. Go back to my kids. (laughs) You know what I expect, son. But there has to be something in us where we desire to please the heart of God rather than being lazy or not really caring what he's instructed. But we will be lovers of God and that will be reflected by being obedient to his commands, what he has spoken, what he has asked us to do, what he has shown us to do. You know, me and my wife, Becky, we've been talking that there should be, when we become Christians, a pursuit of becoming more godly. Amen? Not just sinners covered by the grace of God saying, well, thank God I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I can keep living like hell because the blood of God is good enough. 
Paul said, don't use that to just cover up sin. But ultimately, the Spirit of God, when our hearts are renewed and he takes that heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh, it should completely change us from the inside out. There should be godly conviction in your life. Uh, when you're doing things wrong, you should kind of be like, oh, man. You know, how, you know how, how it felt as a little kid when your parents were watching you do something they asked you to do? How many of you know you did it right when they were watching? How many of you know that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere? And if we understood that God is watching our actions and our motives and there is no room dark enough to hide from God. So it doesn't matter what you do. Everything we do is exposed before God. And at the end of our lives, he says we're going to give an account. Now the blood of Jesus covers a lot of stuff. But the motive is not to cover those sins so I can do whatever I want, but to cover those sins so that I can live life righteously before God and man, that I can model it in our families. All right, Romans 8, 9 through 14. So this is communicating to the Christians. It says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, Christ is in you, he's talking to you, then even though your body um, is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Christ or Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Verse 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, understand we're talking to the church here. Um, we have an obligation. Anytime the word says, we got to pay attention to what's coming next. We have an obligation. We are the sons and daughters of God. We have the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead living inside of us. So there's no excuse to say, Lord, I can't do it. I understand you can't do it. That's why I put my spirit inside of you to enable us to do the things that we are incapable of doing. But by his spirit inside of us, we have an obligation as brothers and sisters. But it says, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Strong words. But if, you, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the, of the body, what does it say? By the Spirit you will what? Put to death the what? The actions, the motives, the things that we're doing, the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are children of God. God will do all of this. He just needs obedience. He needs cooperation. He needs us to be doers of the word. That's it. Um, you know, we always like to challenge the church when we leave. What are you doing with the word? And we started scratching our heads. So what are the people doing with the word? Just like, hey, we're going to show up next, next Sunday, pastor. It's going to be a good word. We're excited about it. It's like, man, hold on. And I felt like the Lord wants us to begin to chew on what we've been fed. You know, it's like a buffet because we were given some instruction on the passages that, you know, that we feel the Lord wants us to cover. And, and me, Becky, Morgan, and we were talking, we we're like, well, how do we do this? Well, how many of you know, if I set a buffet before you, you can only eat so much in one sitting. Even if I just give you a plate, some of us in the spiritual sense are just taking one little portion. Now, the whole goal is to chew on it chew on it. How many of you know the longer you chew, the more nutrients you get from it? Most of us are 
down the hatch, right? We know it's like choo-choo swallows, like you're going to choke. But the rule of nutrients is that we chew on it. We chew on it. We get every ounce of nutrients from that word. And then guess where it goes? It goes inside of us. And then once it's inside of us, let it spring forth to life and accomplish the purpose and the plan for which God has given us that word. Now, I know that you can only eat so much. If I was in your spot and a preacher's preaching to me, Pastor, only give me so much. Because how many of you know when you're full, you're full? Or when your mouth's full, you can't put no more in there to even chew what, you're, what, what, what we've given you. So our goal is whatever we lay before you, whatever the Lord places before you, chew it, get nurtured from it. But then let it come deep down and change you from the inside out. And not just like in, in, in good mode said, well, I hope it's going it's, it's to do what it's supposed to do. But allow it to transform the way you live. Right? Let it transform the way we act. How many of you know <laughs> when you eat healthy food, most of the time, it shouldn't make you feel healthy rather than eating junk? When, we're, when we are chewing and we are digesting and we are feeding on the Word of God, it should give us strength, life to our bones, and it should cause health and wholeness in our bodies. Amen? But we have to chew on it. My kids... <laughs> I'm glad none of them are here because it's, it's always hard. Like, Lord, how do I, how do I not use them in my illustrations? But sometimes it paints the best picture in our illustrations. You know how often my kids push away really good food because you know what they say? I don't like it. They ain't even tasted it. They don't even know what it tastes like, but there's this mindset of, oh, I want something else. How many times are we guilty of taking the junk food and not taking the things that will sustain our life? I ain't talking about McDonald's and super salad. I'm talking about spiritual things, right? How many times are we, are we guilty to say, I'll just eat that corn dog? Rather than the steak that's going to have way more protein. It's going to last a lot longer. It's really, really good for us, but we have to put in the work to cut the pieces up because we can't just chunk the whole piece of steak down our, down our windpipe, Right? We're going to have to chop it up. We're going to have to chew on it. We're going to have to digest it. And the more we chew on it, the more we feed on it, the more it nurtures us. But it's going to directly affect, or it should directly affect what we do and how we feel and how we act. We have to be doers of the word. We are obligated to put to death the deeds of the flesh and not live according to the flesh. So what do we do now? First and foremost, please, please, please be praying for the leadership of the church, okay? I hope, you know, I was asking my son, <laughs> I was bust up my kids because I always try to figure out where is their heart, where are they? I was like, hey, you know, he's 12. Like, I think he should be getting it. I said, Sam, you ever pray for your dad? He's like, yeah, when you're sick. And I was like, oh. I said, I guess I ain't ever getting prayed for because I'm not sick enough to have a consistent prayer, right? Uh, but that, I said, Sam, uh, like, what are we doing? We've been working hard at trying to teach him. And he knows how to pray. He's just not praying. You know what to do. You're just not doing it. Yeah. Hear that with all my heart. Not as a reprimand. If, you don't, if it's your first time here and you don't know me, just please see me as a friend, not an enemy. But we know the word of God. But there has been a lack of application in our life. There's been enough communicated to you. You need to begin to do the word. Not just hearers of the word. 
And if you're having a hard time doing it, ask for the grace of God. Ask for the Spirit to enable you to walk that out because that is God's will for your life. Right? Because I feel like, and if I'm wrong, let me know. Write me a note. Let me know I'm not doing this. But I feel like we leave you a great meal every single weekend. Something to chew on, something to digest. Now, some of you got the, got the cafeteria tray and you walked up. Man, this was so good. I'm so excited. You get to the back door right before you go out. You throw it over your shoulder. Say, well, we'll see what they got for lunch next time. Take your to-go box. Take your doggy bag. Whatever you got to do, take it with you and digest it. Feed on it all week. And we started saying, Lord, what does this look like for the families? Fathers of the household, you take it home and you question your kids about the same concepts you're learning. The same thing, but you communicate it in a way that the kids are going to hear it. You talk about it at the dinner table. You wake up from your nap and say, man, that was a good word, Lord. What, how, do I, how do I apply that? Not like you walk out. You say, I don't even know what pastor said. Right? We retain it. We take it with us. We apply it. Um, so pray for the leadership as we navigate and we try to give you, and, and hear my heart, what you need not what you want. With all sincerity, our responsibility is to give you what you need, not what you want. Okay? Uh, so what do we do? We begin to pre prepare now. How many of you remember the hard freeze from February 2021? How many of you got affected directly by that? A lot of us, right? How many of you, if you would have known that the storm was going to be that bad, you might have prepared a little bit differently? Right? But all of us Texans were like, shit, it ain't going to get that bad. We didn't know what in the world to do with single digits. That makes no sense. It went to single digits. Everything froze. Whole houses froze. Pipes busted. The plumbing supply was crippled. Tons of people were like, man, we were going like house to house trying to figure out, man, like, okay, everybody's in a bind. And, but how many of you know, once the pipes freeze, there is nothing you can do except wait it out. Learn from your mishap, and God willing, make sure it never happens again. But that is the warning that we have for you this morning, that you prepare now for whatever this storm looks like. And so how we have to do this, it has to be focused on the home. It has to be, it has to be modeled. So um, moving forward, you know, the Lord is leading us to focus on the family matters. So it could not be more important than it is right now. Because I know that if, if families are taken care of, if families are prepared, if, if families are being all that God has called them to be, then we're going to be okay because we're going to be a, be a church full of families that are ready and prepared. Right? If families are prepared, the church will be prepared. But I can't just say, oh, we're just going to prepare on Sundays. That's not going to be enough. How many of you have ever been at a workplace when you know a storm is coming and if you're on that storm crew, they give you time to go home and prepare your home before the storm hits? Sounds like common sense, Right? Why would we not prepare in the things that are spiritual? If God is warning us or he, you know, and, and I think, guys, I think that's the hardest thing just to be real and vulnerable is not knowing what in the world the storm looks like. Because if I know pipes were going to freeze, I'm going to work on pipes, right? If it's, if it's water, well, figure out if it floods, what's the plan? Like, we know how to prepare, but I am convinced it doesn't matter what the storm looks like, the same way of preparation is the same and that's through putting the word of God inside of us it's knowing what to say it's knowing what scripture says it's it, you know uh one of the one of the things in the word that was shared to us that it said at that time when the storm hits there will not be time and it will be hard 
to pray and it will be hard to get the word of the Lord. Guess what? Get the word now. Prepare now. Put the word in your heart now so you'll have everything you need to endure the storm, okay? So moving forward, we're going to be focusing on the family and however God leads the rest of this series or whatever he does in this next week, we're going to be obedient to that. But a church full of families that are ready and prepared will be a church that is ready and fully prepared. So the importance of the model. Um, before we jump into a little bit of this content, I'm watching the clock because I was like, I have no clue how long the intro and middle and all this is going to be. But uh, before I jump into this, can I challenge the men in the room? That you are responsible for the atmosphere and the direction of your home. I don't care if you married a strong-willed woman or whatever your excuse is. Well, she doesn't let me lead or I've never led before. I've never seen it. doesn't matter. Put your big boy britches on and start taking responsibility for your home. If you don't know how to pray, start praying. Ask God, say, Lord, show me how to pray. Show me how to raise my children better than my wife. And for me, guess what? That is intimidating because my wife is really good. But there is an avenue that I, can, that I can lead, a capacity that I can lead in that my wife can't. But it is a call of God over the homes for the fathers to lead. So in this commission to take the word and digest it, husbands, you need to bring it up in conversation. You say, hey, turn off technology. We're going to talk about what Pastor Noe talked about today. We're going to look at this scripture. What, Sam, what do you think it means to you? Cassidy, what do you think it means to you? Grace, and she goes, I know that's how she's going to respond. She's like, I don't know. But I don't say, hey, good conversation. And I stop, but I say, hey, here's what it means. Here's how it's applied. Okay, well, how do we practice that as a family? Husbands, ask yourself, how do I fulfill this word? Wives, how do I fulfill this word? How is a family unit modeling what God wants us to do? But husbands, you have been gifted by God to lead your families. Don't shrink back from that. Your family needs you more than ever. Joshua 24, 15, he says, but for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I've been chewing on that, how Joshua just said it. It wasn't an option after that. He really had authority and he was leading his family boldly and courageously. But Joshua, he made that choice for his whole family. And men of God, you can also. Um, ladies in the room, strive to the best that you can to not lead for your husband. I understand you got some passive fellows in here. I believe that God is calling the men of God not to a life of passivity, but a life of power. And ability to do the job that he's called us to do. So women, give your men some grace. And I'm going to challenge you. When's the last time you prayed for your husband to lead well? Rather than say, well, Lord, he's not doing it. So I'm just going to do it for him. Been there? Right? But I believe that there is a, a shift coming to where men of God, you have to lead your household in a way that honors God. That is fulfilling the assignment that he has given you as the man of the home. So we're going to look a little bit this morning just at the model of what God has given us. The model of the home. The model for marriage. If we don't understand the model, we'll just be guessing. Now, I don't know if you've really looked at everything. It's in Scripture. There is a ton of guidance about marriage. Tons of guidance. One thing I'm going to do this morning, I'm not going to tell you what it's not, but I'm going to tell you what it is. I don't want to waste time saying, well, what about this? What about this? If it's not covered, it's probably because God didn't really care about that. And it doesn't meet the model requirement, okay? But a family has to be spiritually prepared for warfare and continually fight for unity, okay? 
Uh, so a defini- the definition of model is a system or thing used as an example to follow or imitate. Now, as I was thinking about all of this content for this week and where we navigate or what we do, um, <clears throat> think about this just for, for a minute. What if you could not communicate or instruct your children in what, you, what they should do? Husbands and wives, would your family, <clears throat> excuse me, by what you model, would it be clear enough of what you're supposed to be doing or the lack thereof? Man, it's scary, right? You need to be praying. Do they see their fathers praying? Do they see their mothers praying? You need to be reading your word. Well, dad, where is your word? You need to be studying. Well, have you modeled that, right? What if we couldn't say anything? Because we're really, really good at telling them what to do, but are we practicing and is it visible what we should be doing? Right? And you may say, Pastor, I was never shown. <laughs> We're going to try to help you be successful in that. We're going to give you the tools that you need. How, how, many of you this room, how many of you in this room know how to read? Raise your hand. Amazing. How many of you know that your phones will actually read the Bible to you? If you got trouble reading. If you don't know how to do that, I'll show you. It may change your life. I don't know. But how many of you know we get educated and we learn by reading? I know most of us are like, I hate reading. Well, you hate to learn because it's one of the best ways. You can't learn everything you need from watching a movie. But I'm confident that you can learn everything you need to be successful in life and be the Christian modeled home and marriage that God wants you to be if you will read this book. Okay? Uh, so it's important what we model. So we're going to look um, at some passages. We know we want our family model to model that which honors God. Um, the passages that we have for marriage guidance, it's going to be Ephesians 5, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 Peter 3, and Matthew 19. You're like, holy smokes. He gave us tons of guidance. So if you want to take a quick screenshot of that or write those down, that's what you need to go home and read. It gives you so much instruction. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to cover this morning, but it gives you all the guidance that I believe that we need to be successful uh, um, as, as husbands and wives to model a marriage that honors God, uh, that honors God in a way that, um, that he demands and he expects. Um, so we're going to look at the importance real quick Matthew 7 24 through 27 and this is where this is where I pause but this is where I continue Matthew 7 24 through 27 it says therefore this is Jesus speaking everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock and the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock That was one man for his household. That wasn't the church. But we know that's putting into practice the word of God. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. So that is the challenge that I have for you. Will you be a person that not only hears what, what he says, but will you um, hear the word and put them into practice? What does it mean to put into practice? To do it, right? It's that simple. Like, man, that's a great word, Pastor. Okay, what are you going to do with it? Uh-uh. Supposed to do something with it? Yeah. Like, that's why we're not getting the results, right? We have to put into practice what he says. So that, that passage right there, guys, for me, 
was a, man, just assurance to my soul because that communicates the storm coming. As the wind blows, it don't matter what it is. If I practice the principles of God and I, and I know what those practices are and I practice those things, we will be secured on the rock. Amen? But woe is to the one who does not. Okay? So let's look at, um, man. All right. Let me see how far I want to go in this. All right. So we're going to look at Ephesians 5, 1, verse 1, and then verse 8, verse 10, and verse 22 through 33. I'm going to kind of jump around because it gives a little bit better flow in, in what I'm going to communicate. So I'll start in that verse 1, Ephesians 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Verse 8, for you, were once, uh, for, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Um, verse 10, and find out what is, what is pleasing to the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Verse 22, so now we're going to jump down because we're talking about the family unit, right? Husbands and wives, that's where we want to get to. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. Now, let me pause because I'm not going to have time to break down all these things, but I'm going to kind of break it down as we go. If you do not know how to submit to the Lord, you will never submit to your husband. It's challenging in there. You have to be able to trust in the Lord. And it says, in the same way, submit yourselves, trust in the leadership of your husband. It says, wives, submit yourself. I know y'all hate that word, submit. My wife hates it every time I bring it up. I was like, well, that's the word that the Bible used. Like, I'm not the enemy. We're trying to live at peace. But it says, we, women, you got to figure out what in the world submission looks like. Now, I think we have a cultural word of submission that probably is out of control from what God expected. But there is a biblical understanding of what submission looks like that is honorable and pleasing to the Lord. Okay, just leave that with you. Um, but it says, for the husband is the head of, of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, you also wives submit to your husbands in everything. You're like, man, sorry, I'm going to get the guys in just a minute, but I don't, I don't want to go so fast. Where it's like, oh. husbands, if your wife just clenched down on your arm, I'm sorry. Like. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard things. Lord, but Lord, help me know what this submission thing looks like. Help me know what's honorable to my husband. Help me know what's honorable to you. You know, doing the things of God and being obedient to Scripture, you know it's not always comfortable and convenient. Sometimes we don't really feel like it. But it doesn't mean that we should avoid it. Well, I don't agree with it. <laughs> building on the sand, huh? Rather than building on the rock. Because if God says submission, figure out what submission looks like and what it is or what it isn't. Now, before you get too puffed up, guys, let me keep rolling with these passages, okay? It says, husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her. If I go down to verse 28, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He, he loves his wife. He who loves his wife loves himself. Um, Verse 31, sorry, I'm jumping way fast. Hopefully y'all can keep up. Um, for this, a man will leave, uh, will, will leave his, his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. It says this is a profound mystery, but what I'm talking about is Christ in the church. However, each one must love his wife as he loves himself and the wives must respect their husbands. So one thing here, when we think, oh, I just have to love my wife. Do you realize it says love your wife as Christ loved the church? Do you realize... Christ actually gave his life up for the church. Like gave it up, like trampled over dead, take me, don't take her, like completely selfless acts. 
to serve your wife, to love your wife, to take care of your wife. That last part of that passage, it's super, super powerful. Because however, the two of you, first and foremost, must love his wife. And wives, you must respect your husband. So if I could give you one nugget of marital success this morning, is that husbands, you are to love your wife unconditionally. That is one of her greatest emotional needs. Giving you free counseling this morning. If you will love your wife and she feels the love, you know what she will mutually probably do? She will respect you. And man, guess what? That is your number one emotional need is to feel respected. Right? But you know what happens? When we don't feel the love, guess what the wife does? She disrespects the husband. Well, then the husband feels disrespected. Guess what he does? Then he doesn't love the wife. And we get this, what you call his crazy cycle of chaos. Well, you don't love me. Well, I don't respect you. Well, you don't respect me. So I'm not going to love you. Tell me if you know in a marriage, somebody's got to be the adult. I had, I had some great counseling from, from a guy that had been married a lot long, probably as long as I've been alive. He said, you know, I've learned about the success of marriage. It's okay to be crazy. You just can't be both be crazy at the same time. Right? That, that's the key to success. Somebody's got to say, hey, I'm the adult in this equation, and say, hey, baby, I'm going to choose to love you. I'm sorry for not showing you love, and da-da-da. Or vice versa. The, the woman needs to come to her sin and say, hey, I'm sorry. What I said was not respectful. Please forgive me. That didn't honor God, and that didn't honor you. And like, what do you do with that? Because like, if you keep doing it, and you keep trying to fight, guess who you're fighting with? You're fighting with yourself. Because one person waved the white flag of surrender and is trying to model a balanced, godly home full of love to the wives and full of respect to the husbands. I'm telling you, this is just how it works. But we have to, we have to model a home that, that, is, that is concerned at being Christ-like. At being Christ-centered. Right? But it says that husbands are to love their wives. Wives are to submit to their husbands out of respect. Um, man, I'm already out of time. Let me, uh, well, I'm the pastor. I can do whatever I want, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. This is like the one time, like two services, the bad, bad thing. Cause like they'll show and be like, we're still here. Yeah. Just jump in and we'll keep going. Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, but this, this next passage, can, can I, can I give you homework? Here's, here's what I'm going to do. Go back to that screen with all of those, those passages for me. I want you to take a picture of these. And before we come back next week, I want, to read, I want you to read those chapters in their entirety. Because first and foremost, I want you to begin to hear the voice of God for yourself. Because if I'm up here convincing you, convincing you isn't going to change you. But if the word of God gets inside of you and it changes the way you think, it will change the way you act. Amen. It's, but how many of you know that the word... Is sharp and effective. It says that it actually separates the bone and marrow and it can divide the intents of the heart. Now, let me tell you what. Let me give you one, one more nugget of advice to all you married couples. If you got married because you wanted something out of it, you married for the wrong reason. The whole goal of marriage is to serve the other person. How much, pastor? <laughs> well, the Bible talks about for a lifetime. See, marriage is forever. And if you will read through all of these chapters, it gives you guidance when you're single. It gives you guidance when you're married. It will, it will, it will even give you guidance to living with an ungodly spouse. What am I supposed to do if they don't serve the Lord? Well, there's guidance in, in these scriptures. Well, what happens, you know, if my husband dies? Am I free to get remarried again? Or like, am I just going to, am I supposed to just be a widow? And, and my life is over. There is guidance to what happens if you lose your spouse. How many of you know that? Or how many of you didn't know that? 
In all these chapters, they cover this is the standard. This is the expectation. This is what it is. But I want, I want to wrap up this morning with, with you realizing as husbands, you must lead your home with, with courage, with passion, and be intentional in what you do. Wives, you got to support your husband. I think that's what that submission kind of looks like. You're making a dumb mistake. Support the dumb mistake. He'll grow from that. Right? If he makes a big mistake and falls flat on his face, I mean, we're ignorant, but we're not stupid. Right? We will learn from our mistakes, but if we're never learned because you're going to try to keep us to never fail, how many of you know you've learned some things by failing? You become a great father by messing up a whole lot of stuff. and say, ooh, better not do that again. Thank you, Jesus, that marriage is forever because I got that wrong, right? Or whatever it is. But the whole goal is that if we have healthy and whole families, and that starts first with you fathers, and secondly, husbands and wives leading the family well, we will in turn have successful churches. Um, That's where I have to stop because I'm out out of time. Can you stand up with me this morning? I need you. I can't force you. We talk about this in church all the time. Well, we can't force or make anybody do anything. But I can urge and I can challenge and I can plead with people to please be doers of the word of God. If we build our house on the word of God and we practice its principles, we can endure any storm that comes in life. But for those of you who may be in the room still are not convinced, it says, him that hears the word and does not put it into practice is like the foolish man who builds himself upon the, to build his house upon the sand. And when the storm of life comes, and we've been, we've been challenged as a church that a storm is coming. I'm not really worried about what the storm is because we prepare the same way. That's what God's showing me. We prepare the same way. It doesn't matter what storm comes. My life is on the rock. And that's the word of God. But when it's not, it says when the storm comes, and it will come, it says it will fall and crumble, and great will be that fall. Now I'm going to challenge you. How many of you this morning will commit like you never have committed to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word? Can I get you to lift your hand and hold it there? If you don't want to do it, please don't raise your hand. Because this is a huge, huge deal. It could be, I mean, I'm not saying life and death, but it could feel like life and death. Because we don't know the type of storm coming, but we know the prescription to endure the storm. If you lifted one hand now, lift both hands up. I'm going to pray over you. Lord, I thank you for every single person that has made a commitment not to just hear your word, but to do your word. Father, for those who have, have had a, not a, a deep understanding of your word, Father, I pray that you would just illuminate your word in a way that maybe people have never understood or have never experienced. Father, as they read these chapters this week, Lord, I pray that you would just reveal to them uh, what they need to do. And Father, that we would be bold and courageous to walk out what you've led us to do. Father, I thank you that, you know, it's like me and Morgan were talking this week. Lord, it doesn't matter what storm that we go through. Father, as long as you're in the boat with us, we will not fear and fret. But Father, I thank you that you go before us and you prepare a place and you prepare our way before us. But our eyes are fixed on you. 
Father, we are dependent on you this morning. We cannot live the lives that you need us to live apart from your power and your spirit flowing in and through us. So, Father, as we practice your word and we chew on your word, Father, we just surrender and we say, change those things in us that we can't change. Man of God, if you are fearful to lead, I pray that God would stir a spirit inside of you that is bold and courageous and realizes your God-given potential this morning. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do this week in and through us. Father, I pray that we would see just a release of your protection, a release of your power as we boldly walk into all the things you've called us to. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And Father, we thank you that we can follow you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can I have our prayer teams come forward? Um, man, I hope <laughs> that you're with me. I hope that uh, we can trust the Lord together as he navigates and as he leads us. Um, this morning, if you have a specific prayer request, you say, man, I need somebody to pray for me. I came this morning and there was something specific that, you know, pastor maybe wasn't covered. We got prayer teams available to you. The ministry time is always available. Um, Go home this week and read the word. Husbands and wives, let me challenge you one more thing. How about reading it together? And then if you get the urge, huh, how about you pray together? A lot of that was coming. I just didn't get to it. But if we pray together, we will stay together. If we do the word together, it just makes everything start working out. Amen. Love you guys. Y'all be blessed. Be praying for us this week and come back next week and we'll see what God continues to reveal to us as we just walk out all the things he has for the church. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.